You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. My heart truly hasn't been changed. Because if I was changed, I would change the way I live. And because my life isn't really changed, so I think that maybe God really doesn't love me as much as I think He loves me. And so we spend our lives trying to do all the right things, the things we think God wants us to do, hoping that at the end of it all, God will somehow say, you did enough, you got in. Has your heart truly changed for God? It's one thing to say that you're a believer in the gospel, but does your life reflect that? You might be trying to earn your way into heaven, but God doesn't give out rewards based on your merit, your social status, or your bank account. He allows you to enter into His eternal kingdom through your faith in Him and allowing Him to change you from the inside out. In today's message, Pastor Holland is going to remind you that when your heart changes, so will your actions. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 10 as he begins his message. What does God require? We are going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. And I want to kind of give an introduction. It's going to be a long introduction to kind of frame what we want to talk about. Because it's easy to misunderstand it. It's easy to kind of misunderstand what the scriptures is saying. You know, all of us are on a journey of grace. Every single one of us. We're somewhere in this journey of grace. It begins in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis, we start out in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, we all had unbroken fellowship with God. That's where God was just us and Him. It was face to face. There was nothing there. It was just pure fellowship with God. And then Adam sinned. Man is separated from God. And so we begin the book of Genesis in creation, in fellowship with God. We end the book of Genesis with separation, where man is separated from God. The very last word, in fact, of the book of Genesis, the very last scripture says that Joseph died. It ends with death. Begins with life, ends with death. So the book of Genesis is about separation. In Exodus, God delivers us from bondage to the tyranny of the world under the dictatorship of Satan, represented by Pharaoh and Egypt. And God defeats all the false gods of Egypt. And so Exodus is about salvation. So we begin separation. God saves us. We come into salvation. In Leviticus, then, God calls us into relationship with him. That word offering means to draw near. In the Hebrew, it's Corban. It means to draw near. And so... Leviticus is about drawing near to God. It's about adoration. And so we begin in separation. We experience salvation. And then we're drawn into, invited into, this relationship of adoration with God. And then in Numbers, God proposes to Israel to enter into this eternal marriage covenant. And Israel accepts that. And we've talked about how Numbers is like the betrothal process where we are experiencing what it means to be separated out of the world, to be taken out of the world and being joined 
to God in an eternal relationship. And in the New Testament, that process of separation, being separated from the world, becoming separate from all other people, and to be joined to God is called sanctification. Sanctification. It's the process of being separated. And so we have separation, we move into salvation, adoration, and then sanctification. And now we're in the book of Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, we learn that the basis of our relationship with God and his relationship to us is love. It's a relationship of love. And so Deuteronomy is about devotion. Devotion. So we go separation, salvation, adoration, sanctification, and then a life of devotion to God, being devoted to Him. And so in order to understand the book of Deuteronomy, in order to rightly divide it, to to frame it in your mind and to understand what it's saying to you, you have to read it through the lens of God's love. You have to read it from the perspective of one who has entered into that relationship of love with God. Otherwise, you will read it through the lens of God's law. And instead of seeing the love of God, all you're going to see is rules and demands and expectations and ultimately a legalistic God who wants nothing more than to control your life against your will. You know, it's his will, right? We're praying, thy will be done, not my will. So it's against my will. And that's how many Christians see God. Many Christians see God as harsh and demanding with a lot of rules to follow that don't really make sense. Many of them are outdated for today because we're in modern society, right? And when you look at the scriptures, I mean, there's things that are common today that, that are totally natural that God says you can't do. It's like, how can he, you know, he doesn't apply to us anymore. You know, for instance, it's very common now for people to live together before they get married to live in that, live as married people without being married. That's like the, what you do, right? You love each other, you move in, that's like your, the big commitment before you jump in all the way and get married, because of course it, if it doesn't work out, then you, you, know, you just go your separate ways. And yet the Bible teaches something different. But you see, that is the natural way that you would think about God. That's the natural way that you would feel about God if you didn't know God, if you didn't know him, if you hadn't surrendered your life to him, if you haven't entered into that relationship of love with him, then you'll see him as just a harsh rule maker, as someone who's not relevant for today's society. And the reason why this is so important is because in Deuteronomy 10, Moses is now telling the story of God to a new generation. He's now telling the story of what God has done in the life of Israel, telling the story how God became the king of Israel to a generation, a brand new generation that is about to enter into the promised land. And, God, and Moses is telling them how God delivered them from Egypt, how God brought them to Mount Sinai. 
And how at Mount Sinai, God descends on, on the mountain with fire and smoke and loud noise and the ground is trembling, shaking. And this all happens on Pentecost, by the way, in the book of Exodus. And what God was desiring to do is he told Moses, I want to meet with my people face to face. I want to have a face to face meeting with them. I want to put the fear of God on their face. That means God wants to meet with them face to face so that when they open their eyes, they're going to see God and nothing else. God is going to fill their whole vision. That's what God desires. He wanted to have that with every person in the nation of Israel. But instead of fearing God, the people became afraid of God. And there's a difference. It's one thing to fear God, and we're going to talk about that. It's another thing to be afraid of God. To be afraid of God. And so the people say to Moses, listen, we're afraid of God. So you talk to him, and you tell us what he says, and we'll listen to you. And so Moses goes up the mountain to speak to God. And as Moses is speaking to God, receiving the word of God, the Torah, the the law of God, Israel is down the mountain giving themselves over to idolatry, worshiping the golden calf, and in God's eyes, they're committing spiritual adultery. They're cheating on God because they're worshiping another God. And so Moses comes down the mountain, and he sees what they're doing, and he takes the two tablets of stone, and he breaks them on the ground. And in essence, he's, he's saying, you guys have broken the covenant of God. It's broken. And the covenant with God is broken at that point. And Moses intercedes for the people. Lord, don't destroy them for breaking your covenant. And so he goes back up the mountain and he returns with two more tablets, two more tablets of stone with the law of God written down on them. And that's why Deuteronomy is referred to as Deuteronomy, which means the second law. The second law. It's the second covenant, the second time God is bringing the law to them. To understand the significance of this to us as Christians, as believers, you have to fast forward to Acts chapter 2. Where on the same day in history that God descended on the mountain... God descends on a group of people in an upper room in Acts chapter 2, and he pours out his Holy Spirit on the same day. He, the same way he descended on the mountain with fire, he descends upon every person with fire. The same way that there was smoke and thunder and, and lightning, he, he comes down on the room with a mighty rushing wind, and the whole room shook as the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. And at Pentecost, God does what he wanted to do at Mount Sinai. God wanted to put himself face to face with every person in the nation of Israel. But at Pentecost, God finally gets to do that with the 120 that were in the upper room. God descends upon them, on every person, and now from that point forward, every person that receives the same 
outpouring of the Holy Spirit has this face-to-face relationship with God Himself. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse, and we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. And that is what is referred to when it speaks about the fulfillment of the law. Because at that point, the law is no longer written on tablets of stone that Moses brought down from the mountain. Now, the law of God is written on the hearts of every person in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. Now I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, directing me, leading me, telling me, that's not what I want you to do. That's not where I want you to go. And the Holy Spirit is now written on my hearts. And so God is keeping his promise to the people to take the heart of stone, the heart that is under the law, and replace it with a heart of flesh to cut away the flesh from the heart. And that's why in Deuteronomy it talks about circumcising the foreskin of your heart. Cutting away the flesh from your heart. You see, when we come into the new covenant, when we come under the New Testament, when we come into this new faith, in Jesus, this faith in Jesus, and we entrust our lives to him. He does surgery on our hearts. He cuts away the flesh from our hearts. And what's interesting is that when the rabbis, you know, cut the foreskin of the, of the baby when they're little, what they take with that circumcised foreskin is they, they take and they bury it in the ground. They don't know why they do this, by the way. They just do it. So they cut it and they take that piece of flesh and they bury it in the ground. But in the New Testament, we know why they do that. Because when you are crucified with Christ, God cuts away the flesh from your heart and he takes that flesh and it's buried in the ground where you can't get to it. It What what does flesh do when you cut it off of you? Cut a finger off and see what it does. don't, Don't do that. Don't try this at home. But what happens? It dies. The flesh dies. It's dead and it's buried. And that is what Deuteronomy is trying to communicate to us. That we are now living in a different relationship with God. 
that this relationship that we have with God is based out of love. He loves us, we love him. And he has taken this, what the rabbis referred to as the evil inclination, the sin nature, this flesh, and he's circumcised our hearts, taken it, taken it away from us and buried it and put it in the ground. That is the reality of new covenant relationship with Jesus. That is the reality of the New Testament. That is truth. Now, this is a big deal. This is huge. This is a huge spiritual truth. This is one of those truths that if you could truly understand it, truly walk in it, it would radically transform your life. The truth is, though, most people don't fully understand this or believe that it's true. Most of us believe we still have a little bit of flesh inside of us. It's like weekend at Bernie's. We got the dead body. We're taking it with us everywhere, you know, propping it up, putting it in the chair, giving it food you know, talking to it, having conversations, joking around. Hey, let's go to the football game, Bernie. But it's dead. There's no life in it. And yet we still think that there's life in this flesh that's within us. And so I may love the Lord. I may say that I love the Lord, but I withhold myself from the Lord because I have this battle that's going on in my heart, and so I, I hold back. And many preachers wrongly describe this as a battle with the flesh. But the scripture is clear. The flesh has been crucified with all its sinful passions and desires. It tells us that in Galatians chapter 5. Now, I don't know anybody that has survived a crucifixion. In history. You can't survive crucifixion. It's fatal. And so when Paul says your flesh has been crucified, it means it's dead and buried. It's gone. There's, there's no way it's coming back to life. And that's why Paul says, reckon the old man dead. Take Bernie, put him back in the coffin. It's dead. Bury it. Move forward. Don't go back. Don't live as if that is still alive in you because it's not. It's gone. It's dead. It's buried. Reckon it dead. Let it be dead. But here's the thing. Because I believe that there's still some life in that flesh, I hold back in my love for God. And because I hold back my love for God, I believe that God holds his love back from me. And I don't believe that God has truly changed my heart. I believe that there's, my heart is still unchanged. And so what hope is there? I can't overcome that issue in my life. We don't call it sin. We call it issues. But unfortunately, God can't heal issues. He can't forgive an issue. He forgives sin. And I have these things that I struggle with in my life, and that's just my lot in life because my heart truly hasn't been changed. Because if I was changed, I would change the way I live. And because my life isn't really changed, so I think that maybe God really doesn't love me as much as I think he loves me. 
And so we spend our lives trying to do all the right things, the things we think God wants us to do, hoping that at the end of it all, God will somehow say, you did enough. You got in. Hoping that we won't get up to heaven and God will say, you know what? You did your devotions every day, but two days a week. Should have done them all seven, sorry. Didn't quite cut it. But the truth is, if you believed into Jesus, you are changed. You are different. You're a different person than you were before. And the place that I see it most, where I see the greatest evidence of this, is in the way that we want our kids and our grandkids to learn about God. It's amazing to me. I'll see people that drift away from the Lord for years, and all of a sudden they're starting to have kids, and they're like, oh, wow, we got to go back to church. Why? Oh, we got to take our kids and, you know, we got to get them around a positive influence. Why? Because deep inside, we know that it's true. Deep inside, we know that God is who he says he is. Deep inside, we know the reality of God is that he loves us and that deep inside, we do know that we love him, whether we admit it or not. And we know that our kids will have a better life when they're living for the Lord. We know that. And what that tells me is that in your heart, there is love for God. In your heart, God is stirring something inside of you that you actually do love him, whether you want to admit it or not. And to be honest with you, that is a miserable place to live in. To know, to have experienced the love of God, and yet to deny its power in your life. To not let God have his way in your life. To know what is right and what is true, and to not do it, to not live it out. That is a miserable place to live. And I often see God use our children and our grandchildren to awaken us up to his love. To cause us to remember the goodness of God. Now the Bible says that we're to teach the children and the grandchildren what we've seen, what we've experienced, and what we've heard. And Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 4 especially tells Israel, don't forget to tell them what happened at Mount Sinai. Tell them all about my commands. Tell them all about my statues. Tell them all about my laws. Tell them all about my decrees. Tell them everything, but don't forget, especially tell them what happened at Mount Sinai. Tell them that. Thank you for listening today. When I was a young man, Jesus made himself known to me. I was sitting in a Bible study, and I heard an audible voice say, Holland, I love you. And those words changed my life. And you know, those words can change your life today as well. You know, Jesus said, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And today you can begin that eternal everlasting life by praying a simple prayer and mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I want to live my life for you. Forgive me for everything I've done to offend you. Forgive me for breaking your law. I want to surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you've done that, you're born again. You've been listening to a message in a series through the book of Deuteronomy. Pastor Holland has more to share from this Old Testament book, and we look forward to the next edition of Worship Life Radio. We're so glad you took the time to hear from God's Word today. Deuteronomy is full of reminders about the unique relationship between God and His people. Other nations worshipped different gods depending on what they needed at the time. This shouldn't have been the case with the Israelites. The promise of God's blessings wasn't to be taken lightly. It required a faithfulness to the one true God as Moses reminded them. What do you do in those instances when you're drawn to worldly things? It's no easy thing to deny yourself and follow after Jesus. But in the end, I guarantee you'll experience more blessings than you can imagine. I encourage you to stay steadfast in your faithfulness. Your relationship with Jesus will grow leaps and bounds because of it. If you're one of those that are just checking out this Jesus thing for the first time, would you call us? We're eager to chat with you, answering any questions you might have. Just dial 949-228-9117. That number you can call is 949-228-9117. We're thankful that you spent some of your day listening to the Word. Now may the Lord bless you and those whom you love and especially those whom nobody loves. Make plans to join us again right here on Worship Life Radio. Every one of us is on a journey of grace. God wants you to be free and full of joy. Pastor Holland's message series, A Journey of Grace, will help you discover how to live the abundant life that Jesus promises to give you today. Order your personal copy of A Journey of Grace at worshipliferadio.com.